Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. Discover the power within Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living in today's world. Here is your host, Dr. Laurel Trujillo. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living today. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the show. Our topic today is questions that spark transformation. How can the right questions redefine the trajectory of your life? How can we deepen awareness of our innermost needs, allowing us to initiate powerful shifts? I'm joined today by Jenny Lee, spiritual teacher and author of several award-winning books, including the one we will be talking about today, Spark Change, 108 Provocative Questions for Spiritual Evolution. Jenny Lee is a recognized expert in the fields of yoga therapy and spiritual living. She has taught classical yoga and meditation for more than 20 years. She coaches private clients in practices that help them reconnect to soul wisdom and to live purposeful lives. Welcome, Jenny Lee. I'm really delighted to have you join me today on the Yoga Hour. Hi, Laurel. I'm so happy to be here with you. Great. And so before we dive into our dialogue about questions that spark transformation, let's take a moment. Let's take a yoga moment and just bring ourselves fully present right where we are. So let's just begin by paying attention to our bodies, paying attention to our bodies in space. What surfaces are supporting our weight? Maybe we're walking and feel our feet on the ground, or perhaps we're sitting. Whatever surfaces are supporting you, just feel that connection. Feel that connection with the earth. And then let's take a moment to turn our attention to our breath and just notice. Notice the next inhale and exhale. On the next inhale, the cool air in the nostrils. And on the exhale, the warm air flowing out. And continuing to follow our breath, continuing to just be present, just be present in this moment. Here's something to contemplate. Here's a quote from the Yoga Hour founder and spiritual director, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien's book, The Jewel of Abundance. Our essential nature is that which we are, which is inherently true 
and unchanging about us. With discernment and direct experience of the true self, we perceive the difference between our physical and mental characteristics and our spiritual nature. This practice is called svadhyaya, or self-inquiry. Again, our essential nature is that which we are, what is inherently true and unchanging about us. With discernment and direct experience of the true self, we perceive the difference between our physical and mental characteristics and our spiritual nature. This practice is called svadhyaya, or self-inquiry. So once again, Jenny Lee, welcome to the Yoga Hour. I'm so happy to be here, and what a lovely way to start our time together, um, starting in silence and presence and awareness is an essential practice for <laughs> the practice of Swadhyaya. So what we'll be talking about today. So that was absolutely wonderful. Oh, good. I'm glad, I'm glad you enjoyed it. We try, and as I mentioned right before the show, we try and uh, do just a little piece where we really not just, you know, talk the talk, but walk the walk and, and have that practice as part of every, of every show and encourage people to have that practice actually, you know, many times throughout their day. So, um, I wanted to touch on another common commonality that you and I have. Your teachers, Paramahansa Yogananda, as you've written about, and at the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, which is the the organization that sponsors the Yoga Hour, um, it's a Kriya Yoga Meditation Center in the lineage of Yogananda. So we are in the same lineage, which is great. We're kind of cousins, spiritual cousins. Uh, the Yoga Hour's founder and spiritual director, and my teacher, my guru, is a Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, and her teacher, her guru. Roy Eugene Davis was a direct disciple of Yogananda's. So we we um, hold that all, you know, with a very, you know, kind of close to our heart. So um, I wanted to begin by just having me and the listeners get to know you a little bit more. So how did you come to the yoga path? How did that start for you? Absolutely. So many years ago, I started, as many people do, with the physical practice of yoga. And I was introduced to it kind of randomly by a man that I met who got to know me a little bit and said, oh, I think you'd enjoy this class. And it was a a Hatha yoga class in Los Angeles. Um, Brian Kest was my first teacher, power yoga. And um, so that was an interesting introduction. And of course, like many people experience, you know, yoga puts us into an awareness of our bodies in such a new and deep way. So that was wonderful. It was a, a wonderful way for me to begin. Um, but as I went along um, in my life and started having some real challenges, um, I don't know that I need to go into the whole story of that, but <laughs> as many people have challenges in this life. Um, I started seeking help and answers and why is, why are these things happening and how do right. I deal with these challenges? And so I was then introduced to yoga philosophy and the yoga sutras. And as I began studying that, I, I came to really have a deeper understanding of the whole purpose of life, which of course is what Yogananda talks a lot about. And 
eventually, many, many years later, when I found Yogananda's writings, um, it really brought everything together for me uh, in terms of why we're here, who we are, what our practice needs to be to stay anchored in that spiritual awareness of self. And, um, and it has really been my anchor for the last 25 years uh, mm-hmm. and has taken me through a lot of very challenging times. <laughs> uh-huh. One of the things I really appreciate about yoga is its depth and, and breadth. As I said in the introduction, that I have been a student now for almost 20 years myself. And it is amazing how much there is there, <laughs> how much there there is there, yeah. um, how helpful the practices are as we meet different challenges in our life and how rich they are with just expanding depth that there's, I feel like, always something new for me to see. So um, that is so great that we that we share that. So let's talk about your book. One thing that I appreciate about, about your book is that it really starts from this place of self-inquiry, which is one of the three main practices of Kriya Yoga, as defined by Patanjali in the Yoga Sutras, which you just mentioned. This is a key text of yoga that we do talk about quite a bit here on the show. And the three practices are self-discipline or tapas, self-study, svadhyaya, and self-surrender, ishvara, pranidhan, um, self-surrender or surrender to God. So Kriya Yoga, um, as people will probably have guessed already, is the yoga that, that Paramahansa Yogananda taught. And a quote from Paramahansa Yogananda is, practice Kriya Yoga and you will surely succeed on the spiritual path. So let's talk about the book. What inspired you to write this book, Spark Change, 108 Provocative Questions for Spiritual Evolution? Well, you pretty much summed it up. Um, what the inspiration with those two quotes, the quotes by um, Dr. Ellen and also um, Yogananda, which both point to the purpose of life being the knowledge or the awareness of our true spiritual self. And so spiritual inquiry being a big part of that, one of the trio of Kriya Yoga, um, we we can't get away from it. And, you know, there's many people that are just sort of going through life, reacting and interacting with the external stimuli. But until we take time to turn inward in practices like meditation and self-inquiry, we really miss a big part of the picture and will not get to the ultimate goal, the ultimate purpose of life, which is that knowing of true self. So Mm -hmm. um, it has been my practice for many, many years. It has also been a big part of my practice with clients, um, the asking of deep questions to help them discover aspects of self that are beyond just the mind or the emotions or the physical experience of the moment. Um, and it's, it is just a foundational practice that I do personally daily and interact with all of my clients with as well. So that was the spark, if you will, for spark change. Um, I wanted to provide a a little handbook, if you will, almost a a coaching handbook for people to have to work on on their own. um, So that if they're not working with a teacher or coach, then they have some questions to dig into and to really reflect on in their own time. And from what you've just said, I imagine that you've seen this process work and transform people's lives, 
which is just an interesting one, asking a provocative, introspective question, and the person interacts with that in ways that we'll discuss more deeply. Um, can you say any more about that? I mean, that it, it obviously um, is insight, right? That's driving people to, to do the kind of, well, to spark change. That's the title of the book is great. Well, the thing is, is that we all get a bit repetitive in our thinking, right? We have the samskaras, the, the habits of thought that rattle around over and over and over again for all of us. We need to break out of those. And so the asking of these provocative questions um, has the purpose of shifting our mental states from those habitual patterns of thinking into new places of intuitive insight. Um, so it's not necessarily a mental analysis. Sometimes the con contemplative part is there where we're analyzing something, but most of these questions are really encouraging people to tap into that deeper wisdom of intuition. Mm. That is a really great summary, I think, of, of uh, how I can imagine the, the process working. I, you mentioned samskaras, and I just wanted to take a moment and touch on that. So samskaras are, just as you said, this these repetitive habits of thought. And when I think about them, I think about a like a dirt road where there's wheels that have gone, vehicles have, have um, driven down that road. And so there's these ruts. And that same process, the the yogis, the ancient yogis realized happens, of course, in, in our minds, that it's easy, it's easier for our minds to track down a path that they that it has been on before. And that's both kind of um, what shall I say, depressing <laughs> in a way to realize that, but it's also hopeful because you realize that you can build new ones. You can build new patterns of thought. You can build new habits and they can get to be those same well-worn paths, you know, that, that, uh, um, maybe we don't want to hear about, um, you know, in, in our, in our thinking. Um, do do you think about it in that way? Absolutely. I think that's a beautiful metaphor with the rutted road. And, um, you know, one of the things that Yogananda talks about is when we are acting from habit, we're not utilizing free will or, you know, unconscious habit. But then he goes on to say that if we establish conscious habits, such as the habit of meditation every day or the habit of self-inquiry every day, then we're utilizing the power of habit in a very positive way because not as much will has to be put towards that action when it becomes habitual. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're, it is that um, <laughs> accustomed road, I guess, as you're saying. And so if we just know that every day we're going to get up and do our meditation first thing in the morning, then there not, not a lot of thought has to go into it. We just get ourselves to the cushion. Right. Um, so that's kind of the positive use of habit or, or some scars in the sense of how we're talking about it right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you write in the book, questions promote deeper thought, connection, authenticity, and humility. They gnaw at us and push us toward greater clarity, and they spark wonder. 
So again, I, I love the description. Questions promote deeper thought, connection, authenticity, and humility. They gnaw at us and push us toward greater clarity, and they spark wonder. So I, I loved two things about that little quote, this idea of questions gnawing at us, and also the, the wonder, how they spark wonder. So could you say more about, about that? Questions sure. gnawing at us and how they can spark wonder. Oh, I was reviewing journals of my own for, for as I was writing this book. For, I've been a journaler for decades, and it was just amazing how the same question would arise again and again and again. And it was like my little mind would just not let it go until I got to a satisfactory answer. So that's the gnawing at us. And I, I literally <laughs> laughed when I saw how many times I would ask the same question <laughs> internally, um, trying to work it out. Uh, but I think once you begin to appreciate this practice of self-inquiry, it's it becomes uh, almost a game, you know, that you play inside. It's like until you get to that satisfactory answer, it's like like the little child tugging at mom's skirt, you know? Um, so that's, that's that. The wonder part uh, is such an important aspect. Um, going back to habits, you know, I think as we, as we go through this life and we have a lot of experiences and we get older, we get a little bit jaded and it's like, oh yeah, I know that I've seen that I've done that, et cetera. And we lose that sense of wonder, the childlike curiosity, um, that we see in, in every child, almost every child, every child I've ever known who can just be in awe at a ladybug or something mm. or a leaf. And we lose that as adults, right? We just walk right over the leaf. And um, so these questions are a moment to pause and to remember the wonder of life, the wonder of self, to look at it afresh, to create some space around the experience of the moment, just as you did in the opening meditation, and to just stop being on autopilot plowing through our days but really to remember that as as creator as creations of spirit we are beings of wonder and how can we um, come back into that awareness mm, that's a really lovely description so you've divided the book up into 12 chapters each has a theme such as changes values beliefs willingness and acceptance and you also give some detailed instructions in the introduction and then along with each question about how to use the book so i thought we could explore that process a little bit more for our listeners and then share a couple of of the questions so you write that a time of silence is really important before we spend time on before we con begin to contemplate a question. So can you talk about that a little bit more? So what do you see as that role of, of silence as part of this contemplative process? Well, so we had spoken briefly about the Yoga Sutras, and I would equate that to the limb of Pratyahara, where we transition from the external um, practices such as asana and pranayama, although pranayama is both external and internal. Um, and we start to move our awareness inward. So pratyahara is the withdrawal of the senses into that inner space. And this is so important because we don't, we don't want to um, 
look for answers outside. That's kind of the world standard. We, we're always looking for external validation, the give it a Google search and there's the answer. So right. that's not gonna work for the practice of self-inquiry. And so we have to take that moment, that bridge moment where we turn our attention inward and we quiet the thinking mind. Because again, this is in, more of an intuitive process than it is right. an analytical process. So just as we do in meditation, we want to focus the mind, um, give it something to rest on, uh, quiet down, let the restlessness subside so that we can hear that inner deeper um, wisdom of the intuition, which is soul wisdom. That's that's how spirit communicates with us is through our intuition. So that's a very, very important aspect to the practice is that time of silence before you begin. Well, I obviously agree with you that the way that we um, even structure the show is really to try and get people to tap into that a little bit before they begin to listen. So the other thing that you write about, that you talk about in the book, is um, the importance of writing in this process of not just reflecting on the questions, but interacting with them in a written way. So why do you think writing, the process of writing, is important? Well, I, I can't explain the science exactly, but there is something very powerful about putting pen to paper or even fingers to keyboard because there's um, something that happens between the brain and the hand that it, parts of the brain are activated that have to do with memory and these deeper levels of thought. And so writing both the question and the answers out by hand, I would say is the most uh, effective strategy. Not everyone will want to do that and it's fine if they don't, but um, it is very powerful and it just triggers knowledge that we're not often aware of. Uh, it, it's like automatic writing, if you will. I right. don't know if you've heard of that process, but yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Automatic writing, as I think of it, is just not really thinking too much about what you're writing is just beginning to write and kind of writing whatever comes into your head. And I have had that process reveal things to me that were super important in my life. So I, I, I hold it. I hold it with a lot of respect. So I thought I'd we'd give the listeners before we uh, transition to the break. We've got mm, three, four, four minutes. Um, the very first question in the book, and this is in the section on change, the very first question kind of took my breath away a little bit. Uh, it is, how many times does something have to happen before it occurs to me to change? Once again, how many times does something have to happen before it occurs to me to change? And as I was reflecting on that a little bit, it occurred to me that that could be a really triggering question for some people, triggering them into feeling bad about how they've managed change in the past or feeling like kind of the, the old, you know, like slapping your palm to your forehead and just thinking, oh my gosh, I'm here again in the same place again. Um, so what do you recommend for people when someone is triggered by one of these questions into self-criticism or into like negative feeling down on themselves when they begin to interact with a question? 
Well, I think you're absolutely right. And that is, in fact, why I put that question first, because it is our experience. It is everyone's experience. We are habitual creatures, as we were talking about earlier. Um, we are pretty change resistant, even though change is a constant in life. And we tend to stay with what's familiar, even if it's not pleasant. Um, <laughs> so the hand <laughs> to the forehead is really true. In fact, I, there's even an emoji for that now, which is hilarious. And I've been using it recently because I've been having that experience. But um <laughs> You know, humor, right? So we're laughing yes. about this. And humor is one of the best things that we can bring to this practice. Um, you meant you quoted earlier a part of the introduction, which talked about how these questions uh, trigger humility. And we need to practice humility. We're not perfect. we're we are evolving uh, beings. we're We're spiritual beings having this human experience. It is fraught with mistakes and difficulty, and that's okay. And if we can take ourselves a little bit lighter and just have some humor along the way, it makes the process of self-inquiry and the process of change and the process of um, evolution so much better. And I know there are times when I'm really good at that and times when I'm not, um, I feel better when I can keep the humility and the humor. I feel worse when I have forgotten it. But um, yeah, so that's one thing. And then if self-criticism arises, you know, it's also just really important to practice compassion and recognize that we are truly doing the best that we know how to do with the consciousness that we have at this time and that we are here in learning. We're in school. And this is this is spiritual school, in my opinion. So we're not meant to have all the answers right now. We're learning. And that's okay. And so we can be compassionate with our process. Right. And I, I actually really liked the way that you write about that in the book, that if you are being triggered into self-criticism or negative thoughts, that's not really the purpose of where we are um, or the process that you're suggesting that people go through in the book. And so they could change the wording. They could reword the question in a way that might feel more comfortable to them, um, allow them to engage with it in a, in a way that doesn't involve that, that negativity. Is that Absolutely. Or just skip it, you know, because maybe right. it's not the right question for them at this time. So just skip it if it's too challenging, too triggering. Right. <laughs> and with that, Unbelievably, we've come to the end of the first segment. You're listening to The Yoga Hour. My guest today is Jenny Lee, spiritual teacher, yoga therapist, and the author of the book we're discussing today, Spark Change, 108 Provocative Questions for Spiritual Evolution. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, producer and host of the show. When we come back from the break, we'll be exploring more of these questions that can spark transformation. We'll be right back. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. 
Each prayer and meditation on Positive Prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open Positive Prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. Insights and practices for spiritually conscious living. Welcome back from the break. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo here today with Jenny Lee, author of several books on the philosophy and practice of yoga. And the book that we are talking about today is Spark Change, 108 Provocative Questions for Spiritual Evolution. Provocative questions, I like that. And as people probably could hear with that first question, how many times does something have to happen before it occurs to me to change? I would say that's a a provocative question. But as I mentioned, in addition to the question itself, with each question, you also include guidance about what to, uh, how to contemplate, how to approach the question. And so for that one, the question that I just read, how many times does something have to happen before it occurs to me to change? You write, if you are stuck or dissatisfied with life in some way, or if you recognize a recurring pattern of frustration, notice how you feel about change in general, ambivalent, resistant, afraid, You can be all of these and still move forward. If you have had enough of the same results and are ready to create a different experience, tell yourself that it is time to face fear and act anyway. You can always ask for help. And you dive into that a little bit more deeply about asking for help and how important it is. So we've talked a little bit, um, initial comments about how to approach the questions, begin with a time of silence, write down the question and your reflection. What other advice do you give about interacting, starting with this question? Well, so this recognition about how we feel about any sort of change. So self-inquiry is with the process of of growth in mind. So that is inherently change um, in all of its aspects. It doesn't mean that we have to make big sweeping changes in our outer life, but it is changing, as we've spoken about, the patterns of thought, the Uh, responses to certain circumstances in our life. And so we do have to do one of these little assessments. And that's why I put it at the very beginning, you know, how we do, how we feel about change. Is there fear? Is there resistance? Because these will keep us uh, enabled, unable to move forward. And so we've got to at least acknowledge them. If there's fear, okay, there's fear, but we can move forward even with fear. Um, that's that face fear and act anyway. We don't have to wait till the fear is gone. Um, so it's a practice of self-acceptance really and mm-hmm. self-compassion that is being asked here to recognize what the feelings are as the as you're going through the questions, um, be compassionate with your process, uh, ask, and then the asking for help. There are so many people, um, <laughs> my, my poor husband, he always gets mentioned on podcasts, but my husband... <laughs> It's so resistant to help. And we talk about it all the time because, um, 
<laughs> and there's many people out there. And so I just, you know, shout out to my wonderful husband uh, who is practicing asking for help as many of us need to. Uh, I'm probably right. the opposite. I'll be the first one to say, help, help, help. <laughs> because I've learned the, how important that is. Um, and it, there's a balance, right? Because we do need to keep our own counsel, but we can also ask for help when we don't have all of the skills or the information. And we're, we are here to help one another, I believe. So um, it is an acceptable practice as you're going through these questions. Um, and it's really fun, actually, to share these questions with a friend and say, hey, you know, how would you answer this? Mm -hmm. uh, so that's that's kind of a fun thing. And coming back to it, too. So we talked about skipping a question, or maybe you just write down whatever comes up that automatic writing process, but then set it aside for a week or so and then come back to it. Um, because again, that soul wisdom really does have your answers. I have mm -hmm. this deep trust in people's inner wisdom to guide them to their right answers. And I don't have the answers for them, but I can help guide them to their answers and you can guide yourself as well. So, but it's this process, right? Not being in a rush, trusting the process, giving yourself some space around it, maybe reflecting with a friend for a while and then coming back to it and seeing where you're at. Mm. Yeah. such a great, lovely description. So let's go to another question. One of the questions in the chapter on values is, what are the 10 things in my life that will matter most 10 years from now? So again, what are the 10 things in my life that will matter most 10 years from now? And as I was thinking about this, obviously there's this tendency that we have to get entirely caught up in our lives with whatever's going on on a daily basis. And clearly we've been going through a pandemic. There's been many, many challenges. People may be dealing with having their children at home that were norm that are normally in school. It, it is obviously a very stressful pressure cooker kind of, uh, you know, time. And yet we will get through this and perhaps are beginning to see the light at the end of the tunnel now with the vaccination rate really picking up. So I think this is a great question. What are the 10 things in my life that will matter most 10 years from now? So can you talk a little bit more about what you see as the importance of clarifying our, it really is a question about values, this chapter on values. You know, what, what are we going to value? from a distance yes. as we look back. So can you say more about that? Why that's important to us to clarify those values? Absolutely. You know, right now, and I don't know when this happened, but it seems like it is fully with us now is that everything that comes at us on a daily basis seems to have a sense of urgency. Um, I think it's been an accumulative process of the growing, uh, pervasiveness of technology in all of our lives, the instant access to one another at all times of the day and night and to all forms of information. And um, so, but there seems to be this kind of constant barrage of information and urgency and need to reply and need to engage. And we've lost track of the, the fundamental values that anchor our lives. I think many people have. And so we're just in this constant response mode. 
Um, I know I've gotten caught up in it as well. You know, I wake up and I see the 50 emails and I just got to get through them and respond. And, and then I'm thinking, wait a minute, it's an hour into my day and I haven't done my meditation practice. Like that is something is off base there. So we got to stop that. Yeah. Um, but it, we can, it's very easy to get caught in that sense of urgency and response. Um, so the, the whole values chapter is extremely important. If you're wanting to make change, you need to know what you're basing that change on. So it can't just be the dissatisfaction. Um, the dissatisfaction is what kind of cues us that a change needs to be made, but the values are, are what help us clarify on what principles are we going to really base that change? Um, and you know, one of the que a question that I've been working with recently that's actually not in the book, but I love it, so I'm going to throw it in here because it is it it applies. Is what doesn't matter anymore? Mm. And I think coming off the pan this pandemic, as you were saying, you know, there were things that used to matter that everyone has had the opportunity kind of to kind of reevaluate. And so that's a question that I've been working with a group uh, that I lead um, on a weekly basis recently. What doesn't matter anymore mm. or what doesn't matter now? And right. that also is kind of a value clarifying question um, in addition to the one that you shared, which is thinking about the 10 things that would matter most 10 years from now, because those are the enduring values, things like our health, um, our connections with family or mm -hmm. spouse or children, those things you know, if we're not valuing them now, we will look back with regret. Mm -hmm. And those are the things that people on their deathbeds say, I wish I'd spent more time just you know, relaxing, or I wish I'd just spent more time with my kids. And so those are the things we need to clarify now. And it helps to kind of project forward in that 10 year time work and think, Will this email from some person that I don't know actually matter ten years from now? Probably not. I could, yes. I could maybe do my meditation first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I was thinking about emails actually when you were when we were talking about looking back from ten years, and I don't think anyone would look back and say with regret, "Oh gosh, I wish I answered my emails more quickly." Right, or <laughs> spent more time be on, on social media. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so another of your chapters is on lessons. And um, obviously, there's so many lessons that we can learn at any time. Um, the first question in the chapter is, what is life asking me to learn right now? What is life asking me to learn right now? Great question, big question. So how would you recommend people engage with that question. What is life asking me to learn right now? Well, I would recommend that they put, bring their palm up to their forehead and slap. <laughs> <laughs> this is truly one of those questions that I return to over and over again. And it's, it is just one of those, oh my goodness, what is life asking me to learn right now? But <clears throat> honestly, you know, and humor again, humor is so important because it's funny how you said, you know, there's always an abundance of lessons to be learned. And, you know, we have to accept this is what life is about. It is about learning and growing. And so once we accept that, then we can bring humor to these moments where 
we find ourselves yet again in the same situation. And it's like, what is life asking me to learn here? And I, I'm, I'm really laughing a lot this morning because I have been in a huge testing phase myself where this question has been very up for me. And I feel like I have just been going around and around and around the same lesson. And Sometimes I'll tell you what I have uh, assessed with this question is sometimes life is just asking us to learn endurance mm. and endurance and resilience are two is extremely important qualities on the yoga path. Um, and if we expect to truly evolve, we will not get away from them. So again, we might as well, move into acceptance that that's part of the practice. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think from even this conversation that we've had so far, listeners will get the sense that obviously yoga includes meditation. We strongly encourage people to have a daily meditation practice for my own self. That is the most transformative thing that I've ever done in my life is to have a regular meditation practice. So I, I strongly encourage others to have that experience as well. And it's not enough because that's just on the cushion. That's the time that we spent that we spend in our meditation practice is just a fraction of our day. And Paramahansa Yogananda taught, and certainly uh, in our lineage, Roy Eugene Davis and Yogacharya O'Brien all teach that we need to bring that fully into our lives. We need to bring that, that, uh, quality fully into our lives, whether that is a quality of remembering, trying to remember in our day, the deepest states that we had in our meditation practice, bring that more fully into our lives. And also um, all the other parts of yoga that we haven't had a chance to talk about the yamas and niyamas, these ethical principles that we live, whereby we live our lives, all of that. So yes, you know, what, what, <laughs> as life asks us to, uh, or as life presents these different challenges to us, I think it's wonderful to think about what lesson is there for me here. And especially if I get triggered, I especially enjoy looking at, the, at those times. It's like, oh, why did, why did I get so bothered by the way that person was driving? <laughs> yeah. And often these triggers come because we we are in egoic consciousness and it's our ego getting triggered. So mm -hmm. it's an opportunity to step back into that spiritual awareness of self, the quote that you began this podcast with, where you talked about the practice of self-inquiry, you know, helping us to come into uh, an awareness of ourself that is beyond the mental and the emotional aspects. And so the, it is often those mental and emotional aspects of the ego that are getting triggered. And so when we feel challenged, it's like, oh, right. This is an opportunity to learn that we're more than that. And mm -hmm. we, we are souls here <laughs> having this experience and we don't have to become so triggered, so reactive. There's, we're more than that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's also the wonderful practice of letting go, letting go of our expectations of how people drive <laughs> around us and why they're going so slowly. <laughs> and so many other things in our lives that may that may upset us or ruffle our feathers, right? Yes, absolutely. So uh, chapter 11 is about knowing. 
and we've already mentioned this a little bit, listening to our inner wisdom is perhaps not something that we do consciously. And this book is really a, a process of, or can trigger a process of, of us being able to dig into that more deeply. Um, at times we may hear that inner guidance, but also fight it, right? We may know what we ideally should do and then just decide we're not going to, we're not going to do it. So can you, can you describe tuning in to that inner guidance, what that process is like for you? Oh, absolutely. The, the, I work with so many clients who, um, have had intuitive responses to their inner questions and then they go against them and inevitably it doesn't work out well and it leads to regret because I don't know why the ego is so strong and it will override. It'll come up with a million reasons why the intuitive response is wrong or can't be trusted. And so we have to build a practice of learning to trust that inner wisdom. Um, I'm not sure I'm answering the question exactly as you asked it, but no, that's great. That's great. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's a process of recognizing it as it arises and then building a track record where you trust it and you don't analyze it away. Exactly. And perhaps even in how we approach things, because as I think you mentioned earlier, this is not meant to be just an analytic process, right? We can come from our rational mind and make ourselves a list of pros and cons. And I'm not saying that that's not valuable at some points in our life, but it seems to me that you're pointing to something different by starting with this process of silence. We're trying to tap into that inner wisdom, which we can, we can tune into and it can, the, the still small voice within can become louder for sure by doing this type of process. And we can also totally repress it, <laughs> like getting into our conscious mind, right? And and trying to be too analytical about it. Yeah. I don't know that it ever becomes louder. <laughs> I think we <laughs> I think we get the analytical mind to be quieter. Yes. There, that's <laughs> better description. Better description for sure. So another question uh, that I appreciated in chapter 12, mastery. Um, what soul quality do I need to awaken more? What soul quality do I need to awaken more? And then you list a bunch of soul qualities, which I, I thought was really lovely. So some of those are fearless, pure of heart, persevering, charitable, peaceful, truthful, compassionate, generous, gentle, humble, forgiving. So what is your experience working with this with people? What, um, what richness has come from this for you and, and for others that you've worked with? This is, I love the, that you keyed into this question. Um, it's not one that people have asked me about much, and it is one of my favorites, and it's one I work with a lot with clients and with my, my weekly group. Um, because as we were talking about earlier, you know, we have the ego consciousness and then we have soul consciousness. And so we need to learn the when we're in which one and the ability to toggle between them, because, of course, the ego is our personality self. It's how we interact with the world. It's fine. I don't believe we need to eliminate it. We just need to learn to work with it. But we learn to work with it by by also being able to access 
our soul consciousness. And so recognizing these qualities, and these qualities are from the um, Bhagavad Gita, a passage in the Bhagavad Gita that um, that describes these soul qualities, and so I've included some of them here. Um, and I would say that probably the one that has been the most important for myself, and well, I don't know that you can really say one is more important than another, but when we're talking about change, and we did talk about this a little bit earlier, is this sense of fearlessness, um, and fearlessness it doesn't necessarily mean that fear isn't there. It means that we're not being stopped by fear. So we can recognize that fear is present, but we can choose to act courageously because that's more important than the fear. And as we do that, we become less and less fearful. Uh, I don't, I don't know that until we reach a state of full samadhi or enlightenment that we could call ourselves completely fearless. I know for me, it, fear still arises, but it arises a lot less than it used to because of my practices um, and, and the development of trust in that soul wisdom as we've been describing through this process of self-inquiry today. Mm. So, We've got about three minutes left, um, and I wanted to ask if there are any words of encouragement or inspiration that you'd like to leave with our listeners, mm. or maybe, or maybe a question that we haven't had a chance to uh, to talk about yet. Mm. Well, I always sort of tune into my own intuition when asked something like this, um, because you know it is important to meet our listeners readers, et cetera, clients, wherever they are in this moment. And I think right now, as we transition out of our homes, back into the world, into our interactions with one another in the way uh, that we used to, it's not going to be exactly as, as it used to be, but um, I would encourage people to see one another as those spiritual beings who are here learning lessons, challenging their own fears, feeling their own triggers, all the things that we've talked about today, that as we walk back out into the world, that hopefully we do so with the vision of one another with compassion, um, compassion for ourselves, compassion for one another. I personally would just so love to see this world become a more compassionate space, and it begins with how we treat ourselves in these inner practices and in in the recognition that we are all on this path of spiritual growth and doing the best that we know how to do. So if we can offer compassion to one another, then that's, I think, so important. Mm. Oh, indeed. It's really lovely and a lovely way to bring a program about yoga to a close because yoga meaning union actually one of the one of the words it means is also oneness so recognizing that soul quality these soul qualities we've been talking about that not only are they accessible to us but that everyone everyone has them and hopefully um, being able to practice that first of the of the niyamas the or, or the yamas rather the um you know, uh, ahimsa. Um, ahimsa, exactly. I was just fumbling for that word. Um, ahimsa or uh, kindness. I've heard people 
uh, translated as kindness or compassion, as you said, just that we are all in this together and we have that capacity to see each other in that way, see each other at a soul level and recognize our kinship on this earth and on this path and in these human difficulties, right? Yeah, absolutely. And with that, you've been listening to the Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the show, and I've been discussing questions to spark transformation with Jenny Lee, the author of the book we've been discussing today, Spark Change, 108 Provocative Questions for Spiritual Evolution. You can find out more about Jenny, her other books, and her work as a yoga therapist at her website, Jenny Lee yogatherapy.com and Jenny is J-E-N-N-I-E Lee Jenny Lee yogatherapy.com thank you so much for this conversation Jenny I've really enjoyed speaking with you thank you so much Laurel it's been a, a great pleasure for listeners we encourage you to join us for the many online programs offered by Yogacharya O'Brien and the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment including morning meditation which occurs daily from 6.30 to 7.30 a.m. Pacific daily afternoon meditation from 4 to 4.30 p.m., and Sunday satsangs from 10 to 11 Pacific. And next time, I will be joined by Amy Wheeler. We will be talking about yoga, belonging, and resilience. How can the inherent wholeness and belonging of yoga help us to bounce back when we meet the challenges of life? The yoga... Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, Meditation Center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. CSE welcomes people from all backgrounds who are seeking self and God realization, a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're enjoying it, perhaps the question, the, uh, some of the questions we spoke about today, maybe share it with a friend. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, founder and spiritual director of the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya O'Brien, assistant producers Ann Hayes and Mickey Coronado, and Jeff Comfort and Louis Pagan in the sound booth at unity.fm. I look forward to being with you again. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Once again, so lovely to have you, Jenny Lee, on the show with me today, and I hope we've encouraged people to think about this, some of these questions we've been talking about and to engage in this process of accessing their inner wisdom. So thanks once again, Jenny. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. 